Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I am your host as always, Alan Ramich, coming back for to review the first game of the NBA Finals is Silver Screen and Roll Editor-in-Chief, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, how are you doing today? You know, pretty good. I think, uh, you know, you were telling me a little bit about your morning off air, but like I'm definitely better than you, I would say. I mean, that game was, uh, you know, it was it was a recapper's dream, even though I wasn't recapping it. I was still editing ours. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like it was uh, it was fun to write about. It was fun to watch. Like, I think, um, you know, and like the Lakers are three wins closer to, you know, raising their 17th title. So I, I and I got a good night's sleep last night. Still, I still got to go to bed at a decent hour. So I really can't complain. <laughs> yeah the less, the less said about my morning after the lakers game the better i don't want to i don't want let's let's not bring the listeners down let, let, let's get on to the um the main event the, the the game one uh yeah like i was telling you off air before we started recording i in my 20 years of watching the nba I don't think I've ever seen a performance that dominant in a setting like in the finals as that was. I'm sure you feel the same way, but if you could touch and elaborate on that a little bit more as well, because I just thought it was incredible to watch. And like certainly not in game one, right? Like usually it feels like game one is where both teams are kind of feeling each other out and like both teams go on runs. And like, I feel like generally I I could be misremembering here, like missing an obvious one. So forgive me if like you're listening to this in your car and like balling your fists that I'm forgetting an obvious year. But it feels like game ones are almost always close because the two teams, like they still don't really like get each other yet. Like they they both make runs, they both have advantages. And then uh, like, you know, it feels like it's generally a tight game where it feels like it could go either way, you know, outside of obviously like the, like the Lakers three P years and stuff like that, where it's clear that they were just like the much better team. But like, this was just a complete demolition. Like the, the, at first I remember, it was funny. I remember I sent a tweet during the first quarter of last night's game. And it was like, I was like, you know, guys, like if Jay Crowder continues to hit a hundred percent of his threes, I think this is going to be tough to win. And somebody, somebody replied, I already turned it off. This game's over. And I was like, and I was like, I mean, that's bold. I'm not sure you're like, I'm not sure you're wrong if he keeps shooting like this and they keep playing like this. But then, you know, KCP comes in, scores 10 quick points off the bench. The late, like Danny Green hits some timely shots. AD goes like, you know, like, like he always does in the first quarter and goes off and like, and then continues to throughout the game. And the Lakers just build up like, I think it was what, like a 75 to 30 run or something like that at one point. And like, I mean, that was just a complete destruction. You know, the the final score doesn't reflect it because the Lakers took their foot off the gas in the second half. And I feel like, you know, like people looking for reasons to believe in the heat were like grasping onto that. They're like, the heat discovered something here. And it's like, I mean, maybe they did, but as someone, and you know this, like, like as someone who has watched every Lakers game uh, basically this season, like... That's what the, that team does when they have a big lead. Like they don't like they put their foot down for a second, but then they're like, eh, you know, we can just start taking some threes. Like, why do we need to work so hard on offense? Like, we can kind of take a couple possessions off defensively, and like, oh, they're getting closer. Okay, we're gonna start scoring again, but then we're gonna kind of ease up. And you know, that was a very typical second half from this team when they're blowing a team out. And so, I mean, they clearly were not satisfied with it. LeBron and Anthony Davis were talking yesterday about the job not being done. They need to watch film and get better because. 
because they weren't happy with that second half. You saw LeBron yelling at, I don't remember who it was, but somebody for missing a defensive rotation in the fourth quarter last night when they were up by like 20. Like this is not a team, at least publicly, that appears to be resting on its laurels afterwards either. But yeah, that was a complete domination, like you said. Well, I think it was Rondo, if I, my mind says correctly. He forgot to switch, so it led in a layup for the Heat. Um, I can't remember who it was. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Kendrick Nunn because he just scored all the points yeah, in the fourth I just, quarter. I just remember it was Mark Jackson was saying on the broadcast that they could hear him, and he was saying that he was yelling, that's a switch, that's a switch. Yeah, because the way that the, the play was positioned, I think it was Rondo, if I remember correctly. He just missed a switch. But again, it's like you said, I think they just zoned out by that point. Like They, they knew the game was over, and if they needed to go on a mini 7-0-8, I mean a mini run, like a mini run comparatively for the rest of the game, and yeah. a little 8-0 run here or there, they knew that they could do it at any time, especially with the injuries. And we'll get onto that of Adebayo and Dragic, and you know Butler got banged up as well. Um, but... In all honesty, watching that game just makes me think. Honestly, I feel like the Lakers have an argument that they have the two best players in basketball. Not just right now, just in general. Like, when everyone's healthy, because AD, I don't know how you feel about AD. A, that the playoff run he's been on is magnificent. It's Insane, honestly, like historic. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, not just offensively, defensively. Like, the way he anchors the defense is unbelievable. Um, I... I honestly feel like he has especially if he continues playing like this in the finals he has enough of a claim to stake for best player in the world as Giannis does as Kawhi does as LeBron does um, which is crazy because I don't think anyone would have been saying that at the start of the season about AD even though everyone knew just how good he was so I know Lakers fans are not going to like this analysis, but like my, the only the only pushback I would give is Giannis and Kawhi don't have the benefit of playing with LeBron James or or mm-hmm. like a player uh, like AD like that perfectly kind of complements their skill set. And so I do think that they are easily the best duo in the NBA. But I feel like we kind of already knew that going into the playoffs. At least everyone that was being honest with themselves <laughs> and. <laughs> Like, like, I just, I, my thing is, I, I'm not the guy that's like, oh, I need to see AD do it as the alpha dog. It's more like just him and LeBron benefit each other so much that I feel like it's not a totally fair comparison to make, like, at least like with AD to those other guys, just because those guys kind of have to create for themselves, whereas AD, he does create for himself and he's gotten better at it and he's been incredible at it during these playoffs, but he also, like, he has the pressure that LeBron puts on those other teams and just the stress that LeBron creates for their defenses, but that said, like, I don't think it's a crazy take. Like, I think that you could talk me into them being the best two players in basketball. Like, I just, like, I don't, like, I just don't want to go overboard and, like, say it's, like, a guarantee that that is the case because of all that context. But, like, after this playoff run, like, you know, I I will say I I felt really smart yesterday uh, watching that game after I predicted AD finals MVP, uh, but, Mm -hmm. like, previous to the game. And, like, because I just felt like with his two-way play and Miami's kind of, like, it just felt like Miami had enough guys to kind of stay in front of LeBron. You're not going to stop LeBron, but they had enough guys to kind of stay in front of LeBron, whereas Miami's only answer with AD was really, like, Jay Crowder and Prey and, like, maybe then throw Bam at him if that doesn't work. And AD just, like, eviscerated both of those options last night. And so, like, I think that, like, like 
to me, like, you know, I think that with his two-way play, you can get a narrative going pretty easily that he's going to be the finals MVP by the end of this. Again, it was just one game. Miami could make adjustments. Like, Bam is surely going to see things that he could have done better, like, defensively and things like that. They're going to see what things that they can try and throw at those two guys. I'm still, like, I don't think this is going to be a sweep. I think Miami is going to come back and push hard. Uh, like, you know, obviously, barring injuries. Like, if Adebayo's, like, seriously hurt even though they're saying he's going to play in game two Drogic it sounds like is pretty seriously injured Butler we don't know like he turned his ankle twice last night that's not really like a great sign this is not an asterisk talk or anything I'm just saying like you know if all that starts to like go bad for Miami then yeah this could be a sweep but I I do think that with those guys continuing to stay on the court or at least Butler and Bam like they are going to make a hard push back here but I think that you can easily start see like kind of the burblings of the AD finals MVP narrative for sure. And then, and then after that talk about whether or not he's the best player in the world or if him and LeBron are the best too. No, definitely. And and I agree with you. Miami are definitely going to push back. Yeah. If you don't think Miami are going to push back, you've not watched Miami play the entire season. In my opinion, you know, it doesn't take a rocket. It's like these guys are known for the heart and the hustle they have alongside being really good at basketball. Obviously you can't just have heart and hustle and get to the NBA finals, you know? Um, but like you said, um, I understand your point because I think it's a valid one. Playing uh, anyone playing with LeBron, just, it just makes it infinitely easier to play basketball. Yeah. Like LeBron's just ridiculous. Um, it would have been nice if Kyrie Irving noticed it while he was in Cleveland because it would have made his life a heck of a lot easier. But that's a different <laughs> podcast for a different day. Um, shout out to yeah. Kyrie Irving throwing shade at, at, at the guy who's going to win the finals, most likely. You know. Um, get there yourself and then you can throw shade at the man you yeah. know that's my opinion but that's enough Kyrie talk for for a game one finals podcast anyway um I just want to touch on what like with Miami I I honestly think that this was probably the worst possible matchup they had in the playoffs in general this Lakers team because the way I see it is their best players are a wing and a big guy in Bam Adebayo with LeBron and AD also being the best two players on the Lakers and then being so far ahead of Miami. I never gave them a chance when people were going, it could go six or seven. I was like, if the Lakers take their foot off the gas, I could see it going six. But at the same time, like if the Lakers are switched on as engaged as they are, I don't think it'll be a sweep. I have too much respect for the Miami organization. Like unless it's like, like unless injuries take a big hold. Um, but I, it's just, it's, I think I think Pete put it best on his podcast today. I think we're seeing an all-time great team that hasn't got the plaudits so far for being as good as they are because everything just fits with them. Everyone knows their roles perfectly. And, yeah, it's it's that thing of, like, I don't think anyone in the NBA could have handled the Lakers, and especially yeah. not Miami. No, I, I agree with you. I, I At this point, especially like going into the playoffs, you know, I had some more doubts. But after watching how this team has played, I have no doubt that they would have run through the Clippers. Uh, like, I have no Lordy. doubt that they would have had a good shot against the Bucks. And like after watching the Bucks play in the playoffs, I feel like the Lakers probably would have demolished them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think like the, you know, you, to your to yours and Pete's point, I, I think like, the, you know, what the, this honestly reminds me a little bit, not stylistically at all, but it reminds Reminds me a little bit of the Golden State Warriors where in 2015, uh, where like they were remember, like the Warriors were the lovable team that everybody liked. Yeah, they, they, were. They, they were the plucky underdogs. They were the guy, the the guys that played like, you know, they passed the ball a lot. They were the like the some or uh 
they're greater than the sum of their parts team, basically. And like, and then everybody realized they're like, oh yeah, like Steph Curry's like probably one of the best five players in the NBA, and Clay Thompson's <laughs> like maybe top ten, top fifteen. Like Draymond Green is certainly like a top two defender in the league in terms of versatility. Like, oh yeah, these guys are like really good. And then like, you know, they have that supporting cast that was so deep. Like they, you know, they had Iggy and whatever, but it's like going into that playoffs, they got picked against a lot because they did not have the proven resume. And again, like LeBron is obviously a lot more proven than anyone on that team was at this point, but people have questioned AD Every single round of these playoffs, you could say that's a straw man, but I could show you. We can go back every single round yeah, and we can talk about people question, questioning AD's resume, despite the fact that going into this year, he was averaging like 35 points in the playoffs per game or something like that. Like that was not him losing those games. Like that was the Pelicans <laughs> losing those games as a team and a franchise. And so like, I, I kind of agree with you in terms of like, I, I think that this really is a really, really amazing team that because everyone was so wrong about, they're still tr- struggling to come to grips with the fact that this team is better than I think almost anyone could have imagined just because they looked at LeBron and AD and then they looked at the rest of the supporting cast and were like, eh, not proven. But KCP has stepped up and proven himself. Alex Caruso has stepped up and proven himself. Playoff Rondo is real. Markeith Morris has contributed. Dwight Howard went from non-guaranteed contract to final starter. You know, like you can go on and on down the line. Uh, like even Danny Green contributed last night, hit three threes. You Definitely. know, like that was not a like, a, you know, KCP called him Playoff Danny last night. So we've like, <laughs> you know, everybody's going to have a playoff nickname by the end of this run. Um, um, that was not what I would consider playoff Danny because we like, you know, we remember the finals games that he is capable of having, but that was good Danny Green at the very least. And the Lakers just have a lot of solid guys who know their role and are able to contribute. And I think that it's time to like stop devaluing them and understand that this is a really, really good team. Full stop. Not LeBron and Anthony Davis and the LeBronettes. Like this is a good team of guys who understand their roles and are able to contribute in that limited capacity. Well, I just want to throw three names at you that I thought were really impressive last night to me. Number one was obviously KCP. I thought, you know, defensively, he was fantastic. And then the mini run that he went on where he scored a couple of threes and the buckets he got to get the Lakers with him seven points was His huge box in the first score quarter. was, like, not good last night either. I think he was, no. what, like, three of ten or something? Like, if you, ju- if you just looked at the stats, you'd be like, oh, man, that was a bad KCP game. Like, KCP genuinely probably saved them that game. And, like, I was glad no, to see definitely. AD credit him for that after the game because, like, that could have gotten out of hand really quickly in the other direction if he hadn't hit some timely shots. Sorry to cut you off, but, like, I, no, I was it's just, fine. you know, I've been banging the KCP as the Lakers' third best player in these playoffs drum and uh you know like along with some of the other members of my staff and like i think he showed it again last night despite that his box score didn't really look great the the defense that you mentioned and the timely shooting was ridiculous well i went on a podcast on monday evening to talk about and they asked me who the lakers third best player is i went kcp like it's not I don't think it's a debate. I think KCP's been that good in the playoffs that he has been the third best player. Like he legitimately is um Considering where he was five games into the season to where we're at now with KCP, it's an awesome turnaround. Yes. And, you know, it's it's I think it's also a testament to just the the structure of the Lakers. Shout out to, you know, like NBA Twitter who thought we looked into all this, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's great, you know. Organization has nothing to do with it. It's you know, you got lucky because you got LeBron and AD in Hollywood, you know, the rest of it doesn't matter. Um, I think the organization was really important with KCP because they still had the utmost confidence in him. 
um, even when it was going bad. Um, shout out to KCP's burner account as well. My favorite follow on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> even though there's no way that that is his real burner, but it is hilarious. <laughs> whoever it is, they're a genius. No, like, whoever it is, is genuinely a genius to trick a bunch of people at first into thinking that that was actually KCP's burner and then tweeting like a KCP burner, like during the play, but like a KC burner who's in on the bit. You know, like, yeah, just exactly. like we'll tweet randomly, like, oh, man, people need to give KCP more credit. Like, there's no way <laughs> after all that, that, like, this man would still be using the burner account. The same but, one. Like, yeah, exactly. But it is hilarious to see them lean into the bit. And I respect it. Like, whoever you are, you are an internet comedic legend. <laughs> oh, yeah. But KCP was awesome. Um, I really have no, like, like you said, if you just watched a box score, you think he had a bad, bad game. But I thought it was, again, legitimately... Probably our third best player last night. Um, for Alex Caruso, especially defensively yep. last night. On Hero, on Duncan Robinson, all the guards on Duncan Robinson really did a great job. Didn't Glenn get any space whatsoever. And AC is just proving that, in my opinion, and I've said this the entire year, and people have laughed at me when I've talked to them about it. I legitimately think Alex Caruso is one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. No, he is. I, I think at this point, he's pre- like, if you, if you don't think that anymore, then you haven't been watching the playoffs. Like, you know, I know that he obviously is put into a role to optimize his skill set. He like not every guard in the NBA has the type of rim protection that he has behind him. But in terms of a guy that you like go out there and you ask him to fulfill a specific function and just nailing the game plan every single time, almost never makes a mistake defensively. Like he is just. Like, he's so, so solid on defense. Like, he's not a guy who's ever going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, nothing like that. But he is a guy who is, like, one of the most reliable and consistent guard defenders in the entire NBA. Like, there are certain matchups that are bad for him. But against almost any guard in the league, like, he's not going to, again, he's not going to shut them down. But he's going to make their life hell for however many minutes he is out there. And I think that's especially because of how good the guard play is in the NBA. To have a guy, because let's be real, Lillard's going to get 25-30 every game unless he has a super off night. Um, you know, Kyrie will do it as much as, you know, our dog on Kyrie for just being a, a weird guy on the internet. But that's a lot of us out there. You know, shout out to Kyrie. Um, <laughs> you know, name any elite guard. They'll, they'll get their 25-30, but it's like you said, they makes it super difficult for them. Like, you know, I thought, and then the third guy who I thought went really under the radar, because I thought defensively, I thought he was really, really good last night as well, was Kyle Kuzma. I thought Kuz, in his minutes, in his spot minutes, his length really impacted the likes of Tyler Hero. And I know there's that little, like, Twitter thing where people... Yeah, like, no, I mean, look, and... it's not a little Twitter thing anymore when his mom makes the joke, you know? Like, his mom... <laughs> His mom acknowledged it. So I think at this point, we are allowed to joke. Uh, you know, for those of you that are not aware, Tyler Hero is dating Kyle Kuzma's ex. And so, you know, people were at Hall. I saw Halsey, who, like, again, Lakers Twitter Rookie of the Year. The best uh, Twitter. Lakers Twitter Rookie <laughs> of the Year and MVP, I think, like a Magic Johnson esque, like, Lakers Twitter run. Um, it, it would be, I, I was disagree with that. I was talking to Donnie from Lakers outsiders last night mm-hmm. and like, he was saying, how is she so good at this? Like, despite also being amazing, like, you know, at her actual thing of singing. And, you know, I was like, it would be like if MJ went to baseball, but then was also the best at that too. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like that impressive of a run, like her jumping on Twitter like this. I, I'm glad you brought up hero again, because like Tyler hero, man, like at one point he was a minus 39. He finished a minus 35. Like that was, I I said this on Twitter, that was bullying a child, what the Lakers did to him last night. Like any other context, 
like the Lakers are, you know, facing some type of fine from or, or like, you know, like societal pushback on what they just did to that poor kid. Like that was bullying. You know, what AD, like when AD switched on to him and basically blocked his shot like it was nothing or a fa- I, he kind of tipped it, whatever, like. You know, like that that was that was bullying, you know, like and like I, I'm just saying, like, I, I think the NBA's gotta step in here and tell the Lakers that they need to be nicer <laughs> to Tyler Hero, you know, like like at least like that was just mean what they did to him last night. <laughs> Keep it at least a minus eighteen. Yeah, like let him get like a minus twenty or something. Like you don't have to hunt him that like what LeBron was doing to him on offense and like constantly like just screen, screen, screen again to try and get Tyler Hero switched on to him and then size that like it's just rude. You know, he's a rookie. Like let him live, okay? Like you guys were up by 30 at that point. Like just you don't have to bully him anymore. I don't think it was so much because of Hero. I think it's just a talk of like you know LeBron and they they try and they they try and say they don't listen to the media, but I think the Lakers are probably the most clued into what the media says out of basically any team in the NBA based on like comments they make. No, yeah, they definitely. That. You know, they they talk about that group chat they're in all the time. That there are definitely reporters' tweets and stories and stuff like that in that group chat. You know, like you cannot convince me otherwise. Uh, like some of the no, stuff definitely. that they've said that is a direct refutation of takes that were out there, things that happened or whatever. Like you know, you go on down the line, like uh, like uh, like you know, you got LeBron like after. Uh, I forget which game it was against the Nuggets, but like he said, I think it was game one. He just like mentioned, he's like, yeah, you know, we've, we've all been watching over the last 48 hours. We saw some people left AD off of his all, uh, off of their, all of their all NBA teams. Like, you know, just like unprompted, just mentioned that. Like, like they're definitely paying attention to all of this stuff and any perceived slight that they can find. Shout out to Jamel Hill. I just want to say that. I, I don't even want to get into it, but like, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it, it was funny to see LeBron reference that. I will say, um, I just had to throw that in there because I'm a big supporter of you. Um, I, I personally, with the with the whole media thing, did you see what Jackie McMullen and Bill Simmons were saying? Like in that podcast, there was a clip flying around Twitter. Where yes, I did. Like I saw that clip where they clip. said the AD looked like he wanted more possessions, and like literally the next morning, quotes from AD to Chris Haynes saying, "I want to follow LeBron to nine more finals." <laughs> <laughs> I was just, it's just like, say I don't that. know how you even like, I mean I know the answer you don't watch this team or like no. you don't pay that much attention to them like to come to the conclusion the answer that there's any chance that AD and LeBron have chemistry issues like it was funny that finals MVP was trending during that game because people were like all right well they're dominating like what can we do to like make fun of them now I guess like oh LeBron's gonna gun for finals MVP now you know and look LeBron stayed in that game a lot longer than he should have and was trying to get that triple-double very clearly. Uh, you know, and look, I can't blame him. He's like three short of Magic Johnson for the all-time record. He had like he was one assist shy. Like, go for it, whatever. Like, as long as you're like you don't hurt yourself. I, I get it. Like, you know, you're tra- it all ends up in the record books. Nobody's gonna remember how you got it. Um, but That's like like to imply that like they're going to have chemistry issues because Anthony Davis is playing well Le- when LeBron has tried to pump him up at every single opportunity and literally in the first half of game spends most of game the, of the first half of games deferring to AD and trying to let him do all of the scoring like it's just, I don't know it's just you're not paying attention at this point if you think that's what's happening or their Boston bias is so big that they can't look past it yeah that, i mean that... you know especially for Simmons i think even he would acknowledge that but <laughs> oh, God bless Bill Simmons. 
for his horrible takes. The, the, the clips that keep on. Yeah, look, I gotta like respect. Like, I gotta give respect to Bill Simmons. Like, he is one of the people that inspired me to get into doing Precisely. this. Like, his old columns were like a week, like, something that I, I like. I read every single one of them when he used to write. Like, I think weekly or twice a week or whatever at Grantland and ESPN, <laughs> even early on. Like, you know, uh, so like, and he is somebody who is like, you know, you can say whatever you want about his takes. He has empowered a lot of bloggers and like in a lot of non-traditional yes. media up through the ranks. But yeah, oh wow. That was a uh, that was a regrettable clip last night. Oh man, it was or two nights ago or whenever that was. <laughs> the whole vibe with the with the Lakers in the finals. A, I wish it was in Staples because having that type of performance in Staples Center, even with that thirty point, I think the roof would have been off the plate. It's interesting that you say that because last night was, I think, the first time when I've really felt the crowd missing because, like, yeah. it would have been. Like, like, if they had built up that lead, number one, there would have been, like, insane celebrations while they were doing it. But then the second half of that game would have been so weird. Like, just to, like, because they were, like, they were up and they were clearly kind of cruising. But then when Miami pushed back, like, do you hear those murmurs from the crowd? Do the players start to feel that and maybe lock mm -hmm. back in a little bit more than they otherwise did? Like, you know, how like, that was the one game where I was like, this doesn't really feel normal. But, like, honestly, throughout the bubble, I haven't really noticed it. Last night was the first time where I felt like the crowd would have made a difference. It's it's two things where I've missed the crowd. One was AD's game winner. Oh, that that, that too. Sorry, yeah, obviously that too. Um, I know you forgot it because we we've been watching too much basketball, Harris, and, it, and it's just every look, other I day. Mean, a week ago, ridiculous. my brain doesn't go back that far. Okay, like or two weeks ago, <laughs> or however many. Like I I have gold for a fish brain at this point. Like been too long, man. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I agree. Like the only reason I thought of it is because. Uh, a thing pops up of, and it said AD on my phone. So I was like, oh, AD's game winner. Yeah, somebody um, asked me on a podcast the other day. They're like, what was your favorite? What was the moment you realized that this team was a contender? I'm like, I don't remember. Like, it was so long ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, someone asked me and I said, when they traded for Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the safest answer. Yeah. <laughs> they went deep. And then I think their exact went, phrasing was like not just. I, I think their exact phrasing was not just like contender. It was like, when did you realize this team was going to be really, really good and like mm -hmm. probably win the finals, like that kind of thing. Like, but yeah. It honestly, it's been especially with the ups and downs of 2020 in general, and you know how long the NBA season's been. The fact that we're having this much fun watching the Lakers. I think is awesome to have, especially because we're still not under any type of normalcy whatsoever. Like it's ridiculous. Um, and just having them two and a half hours of Lakers basketball, I know you, you have a lot more because you know, you cover the team basically on a 20 hour a day basis. Um, yeah. You're, you're uh, during during the finals, I would up. say 20 hours is probably not inaccurate. <laughs> you're up whenever I'm up, but I see my phone like Harrison's tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get to log off a lot. I will say that it's uh, it, it's been a fun run, but yeah, it, I'm uh, I'm also like whenever it happens, I'm excited. I'm going to enjoy this while it's going on, but like I'm not going to miss basketball like that first week at least. It'll probably take like at least a week before I'm like, oh yeah, actually this sucks. Like, <laughs> no man, but just to touch on game one again, just just to round it up um, before we preview round uh, game two a little bit, um, if. You were Eric Spolstra, and you had to take any shred of positivity out of this game, barring the garbage time where they scored like a ton of points. Because even Eric Spolstra's, um, well, he's a, in my opinion, his best coach in the NBA. So he even he'll realize that that didn't count much. What's the positives that you can take? Because I'm thinking in that 
when the Lakers are actually locked in, I don't think there is very many for Miami. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I, I mean, number one, the one thing that, the number one thing I'd do if I was Eric Spolstra was be a lot smarter than I am, um, at least mm-hmm. about basketball. And so, like, that would help with this uh, question answer. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you say that's garbage time, but, like, if I'm scraping for hope, like, it's that Kendrick Nunn was able to come in and play decently well. So, like, obviously that does not make up for the loss of Drogic. But at least maybe, like, the drop-off is not so, so, so steep to where it's just, like, you have, you're going from someone who is playing, like, almost all-star level basketball to, like, an mm-hmm. unplayable, you know, backup guard. Like, at least Nunn, he at the very least looked playable last night. Now, the Lakers are probably going to have I, – I have – no doubt that he was probably not very high on the Lakers scouting report going into this game, if at all. Like, and so their video team is going to be looking at what he did and, you know, they're going to have a paragraph in there for the next game. And they're going to have like some clips in the film session to play today when they're doing that about like, you know, what do we do against Kendrick Nunn? How do we attack him offensively? How do we guard him defensively? But like that said, you know, if I was Spolstra, that's something I'd maybe take a little hard in. I think the other thing is, like the Lakers are not going to probably shoot that well again. I know that it tailed off by the end of that game, but a lot of that was like them taking pull-up threes. That didn't really feel like true regression to the mean to me. Mm-hmm. Like that was just them taking different types of worse threes than they were generating in the first half more than anything. But even if the Lakers, like let's say the Lakers run their offense exactly the same next game, like they are probably not going to hit 11 threes in the first half. Like that's just, that's not what we've seen from this team. And the other thing is like, so if they don't do that, then like Miami, maybe they're not getting blown out so bad. That game's a little closer. You can kind of make more of a run at the end. Like, I think if I'm him, like those are the things that I'm kind of holding out hope on is that they regress to the mean a little bit. But like with that said, there, there certainly isn't a lot to take from that game, especially now it's coming out like Bam and Drogic are both doubtful for game two. I would, I cannot imagine that Bam does not play, but like, you know, doubtful means like 50-50 at best. So like, I, you know, maybe he won't, but I, you know, given that it's the finals, I, I can't imagine he doesn't play, but if he's that injured to where he may be limited, you know, that's obviously a problem, but I do think that they'll have gotten to watch what the Lakers did against them. He's a smart guy. Like, as you mentioned, he might be the best coach in the NBA. It's like, like honestly, right now it's like him nurse or, uh, or Vogel, I think, in my opinion, like, I, agree. I think it's one of those great. Um, and like Spolstra definitely is up there though. And they're, they're going to figure out some stuff, but that said, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, the Lakers were not satisfied with how they closed that game either. And, you know, they're going to be looking for some ways to improve. Uh, So, you know, I don't know, like if I'm Miami, like there does not, I I feel like the Lakers still will lose a game at some point because there'll be a game where they just cannot hit a shot, you know? And because we've just seen that from this team, it happens once in every round basically. And so if if that happens, they're going to have a hard time winning, but they really looked ready for the challenge defensively last night. I'm not sure what Miami can do to match up with that. When the Lakers were playing hard on defense, that was scary for Miami last night. And so, like, again, I don't have, like, a lot of hope for them. You know, I'm sure that they probably have, and people who watch this team closer throughout the year probably have some ideas of what maybe they can do better. But, you know, beyond taking a little bit of solace and essentially things can't go worse than they did in game one, I don't know what I'm looking for, really. No, I agree. And touching on game two, like you said, Adebayo and Dragic are, are both um, 
Doubtful. I think I think Dragic won't play. I I, I think he's. Done I think I honestly but... I think he will. I don't know if it's a good decision, and I don't know if it'll like go well. But I think he mm-hmm. like he seems like he's so happy to be back on to be on this stage that he seems like the type of guy that will try it, and then unfortunately possibly end up injuring it worse, uh, or just like look so bad that he has to be taken out. But like I feel like this is going to be like like he's almost due for like his own like Willis Reed type moment where he comes out and like tries to give them like eight strong minutes through sheer force of will just to like inspire the team to keep playing hard or something. But like, I, I like, I, I don't know. Or, or in his case, he hopes he goes full Isaiah Thomas mode against the Lakers. Yeah, man. there you go. Like, like he, he's tough. Look like Drogic is tough. He is, no, he is. Like he does not get the credit he deserves historically, but we've seen him have huge playoff performances. We've seen him come up big when it matters. Like there, is, there are very few guys like on this stage that I would have more faith that like, look, he might come in and hit two threes in the first quarter and then not play again. But like, I can definitely see him getting out there, even if this injury is really bad. Well, Personally, I'm just saying that more as a guy who really appreciates Dragic and I want him to be at full strength next year. So, God forbid, I don't want him to get a, a worse injury. As well. Yeah, no, I, I don't either. Back. Like, that was really unfortunate to watch because you just saw, like, he, he he looked down at his foot. I, like, thought, I thought he did his Achilles. I, yeah, I really me too. Did. That was my first thought when I saw the clip on replay. I was like, oh, shit. Like, but, you know, plantar fascia, as somebody who has dealt with plantar fasciitis, which is not even a full tear of the plantar fascia, that is painful. And, like, I can't even imagine tearing it like oh i've saw my achilles so that's why that's why my mind went straight away i was like yeah but but then but then once i saw him walk i was like okay even if he's hurt his achilles it's not a rupture which is a good sign um that's a guy who for me personally i know it's with previewing game two but we've gone off on a tangent and you know me i love going off on my tangents um that would be the guy as long as he's 100 healthy in the off season whenever free agency starts that's probably unless Jeremy Grant decides to take a really big pay cut. I think he's. I think he's going to get a ton of money in the. In yeah, the no, I think Denver's going to pay him. Um, I think Dragic would probably be my number one choice if I was a Lakers with that full mid-level exception. That if I was Rob. Oh no, he he'd be a great option. He he's such a competitor, though. I'm not sure that I can see him joining a team that just beat him in the finals. Like if that comes to pass, you know. Like I mean, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe I maybe he would. Like me, I don't know. Like I, you know, I'm obviously not a Drogic expert, but like he does seem like he's such a like competitor, and he also seems to genuinely really like Miami. I can see him going back and saying, "Let's run it back." But like I know before this finals run, he was definitely a guy that like every Lakers fan was talking about, and I thought was maybe a real possibility you know look I, I couldn't help but notice that frank vogel got a little bit of the tampering in on uh you know he's he's allowed to because he's a coach talking about an upcoming matchup but just like uh in the before finals media day was talking about Drogic as an all-star caliber player and just like raving about his competitiveness and how good well. he is and like whatever and i was like oh way to go frank like rob palinka gave good you job. the uh <laughs> yeah like he, he gave you he gave you the uh scouting report we're finally doing the smart tampering instead of the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, <laughs> coaches tampering. can coaches can say whatever they want as long as before a game against that team. Like they can praise guys as much as they possibly want to. Well, to touch on Dragic and whether he'd be an option or not, people from the ex Yugoslavia, so my area of the world, um, there's this affinity with the Lakers, man. Like that's the pinnacle of basketball. Yeah, but there. he like, he had soup. a feud with Sasha Vujicic, so you know. He did. Like, Look, I don't know. I don't know if the Lakers are going to want to bring him in. Like he's not. Yeah, he's an enemy of the Lakers family. I don't know. Oh, uh, but honestly, like 
the thing with the Lakers and the XC, it's something special, man. Ever since Vlade played for him, that's just a franchise because yeah. I know Petrovic was there in Portland beforehand, but he was the first player to really break through. So ever since the Lakers are, are the number, like we saw it with Zoo. Like remember when Zoo got drafted? Yep. How, how yeah. highly? Oh, I remember. Says, yeah. Everyone just talks about the Lakers and it's the truth. Um, so I could see maybe, but like I said, because of the type of guy he is, the type of competitor he is, I could also like see him running it back with Miami. And also I could see Pat Riley looking after him monetarily as well. Even though he didn't look after Dwayne Wade, I think he's learned from that mistake. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then ultimately they did look after Dwayne Wade. It just, it took them a little while to come around. Yeah. Like I said, Pat Riley, he's mine enough to learn from his mistakes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, just to touch on it before we do sign off, game two preview, obviously with the news that I think that the injuries are probably a bit bigger than what they think they are. If they've already listed them as doubtful, I, I don't think they'll be anywhere near 100%. So knowing that, with and the power of the apparently Malika Andrews of ESPN just said this is a different, Bam had a different injury on the same side, but this is totally unrelated. Oh, wow. So like that's not... Like that's not great in and of itself. That that's like no, two like left side of his body, like upper body injuries at this point. Moral of the lesson is don't go into Dwight Howard like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw people trying to say that, that was dirty from Dwight. Like I don't really think. I mean, he was just playing playoff basketball. I mean, it's unfortunate, but like you know, like I I, I, I don't know what you think. I just thought Bam bounced off him and then landed awkward. Yeah, that, like that, you, that know, like, you know, like you know, he's it. just playing hard. I mean, it was a hard collision, but that's just two big guys running into each other. Like I didn't think. I mean, people always want to imply dirtiness after an injury, but it's like you know, like let's if we're gonna devote our injury, <laughs> our energy to someone trying to hurt someone, like let's talk Jay about Crowder. Jay Crowder trying to rip LeBron's arm out of its socket during a scrum on the ground. Like the Lakers, honestly, like they need to tell LeBron that he can't dive near Crowder. Like the after that, like you just you can't allow that to happen because even if he gets ejected from the series like if lebron tears something in his shoulder or gets hurt like forbid. Yeah, like exactly. I, I know he wants to play hard and win but like they, they got to tell him like he he needs to be aware of situation and like he can't go down on the ground in some kind of like scrum with crowder where he can get away with something like that no i agree with you definitely because if he like honestly if he's gonna try that bullshit like you, you just like you have to be careful like i was honestly surprised that they didn't uh sick markeith on him like after that or, last or jared night. dudley yeah or jared, Dud jared dudley. dudley just like designate they're like early substitution for jared dudley here he's been <laughs> out in the road and then like first play just sends crowder into the stands or something like the that flagrant like, two i think that'd be a little too unsubtle if they sent out dudley to do it <laughs> But also, I love it at the same time. Look, I'm not saying they like. Look, I'm not arguing for anyone to try and hurt anyone. I was just Definitely. surprised that they did not try to push back on that a little bit after what Crowder did. Uh, maybe they didn't see the clip or something like that. But that was so like risky and dirty. Like and like that's exactly basically how Olenek hurt Love in the first round yeah, a number exactly. of years ago. Like you can't pull on guys' arms like that. That's just something that as an NBA fraternity, you need to know better than to do, especially on the ground like that. Especially when someone's not expecting it either. That's also, the they have a long history. Le LeBron and Crowder have history. Le Crowder's probably his most hated teammate ever. And like that, you know, like they, they did not like each other. So I am like, I'm not surprised, but that I thought that that was like pretty dirty and gross. Well, I, I initially when I watched it live, I didn't see it. But then, like you said, well, as soon as you see the replay, you're like, yeah. That yeah, no, it doesn't look like it. It's just once you watch the replay and you see him actually get around LeBron's arm and pull down, like, like, that's why yeah, LeBron was so mad, you know, like, because he knew exactly what had happened. 
and it, it, like you said, as soon as you see the replay, it's not subtle either. No, it's, it's not at all. Completely obvious. Um, anyway, yeah, you wanted to preview game two. I apologize. It, only a quick, quick preview yeah. with those guys with the power of the Black Mamba jerseys in full effect. Oh, that's right. They're wearing mm. those for game two. I forgot about that. I don't see anything but a Lakers win here. I don't know how you feel, but I think that the Lakers go two up. So the only thing that gives me pause is as much as they have talked about not being satisfied and like, like they've done that before after big wins and then clearly come into the next game feeling a little too good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And like that said, I still think they probably win, but I do think that there is potential, like we're going to have to see some growth in how this team approaches games after a big win. If they're not going to have a letdown here, because like we've seen the one thing that maybe gives you hope in that is that they had a little bit of a letdown in the second half and seemed upset about it. So maybe they don't go into game two, you know, feeling like that. And they also, I think it's three wins away now. I think they can maybe sense that like, feel it. you don't, you know, you can't let have any easy ones anymore or like any like let down, like you have to lock in a hundred percent of the time. So I feel like I'm still, I'm predicting a win at this point in game two, you know, you add in the Mamba jerseys and how they've looked in those. Like, I know it's like an intangible thing or whatever, but it does genuinely seem like they take pride in playing hard in those. And so like, I mean, we'll see. Like, I would not be surprised by a letdown, but if I had to pick, I would pick them to win game two. No, definitely, man. And, you know, it's, again, it's a late one for me over here, so can't wait to go into work again on two hours sleep. It'll be great. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, because I don't know the competitor in me, as much as a, the Laker fan in me wants to see someone blow out, out a team in the finals by 30 every game, the competitor in me, the neutral in me that loves watching basketball, I'd love to see Miami have a little bit of fight. I think they will, by the way. For what it's worth, I completely think they'll fight back and win at least one game. Um, I'd love to see it just because, A, basketball's over for three, probably three months after this, which which blows. It'll be nice after the first week to just sort of sit back and enjoy all the Lakers title coverage, hopefully, if we yeah. get to that point. Because um, I don't want to jinx it by saying definitely. Um, but after that, I think it'll be a big miss in our schedules not having Lakers basketball for a few months. I agree, but I would just say be careful what you wish for. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there is like, like no one remembers the three-peat era any less fondly because the Lakers destroyed the Nets in, you know, the 2002 NBA Finals. And like, it was like never really competitive at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think... Precisely. I think like like even if even if the Lakers do sweep, that's not my prediction. But even if they did and they won every game convincingly, and it was just Miami had no shot, like people are still going to feel like it's still going to feel good when the buzzer sounds on game four, or whatever great. the clinching <laughs> game is. No matter how dominant this went, like a title is a title, especially in 2020, a year that has just sucked on almost every single level imaginable. <laughs> you know, like it, it's still going to feel good to get that. And so I would just say, be careful what you wish for. Like yes, competitive basketball is fun in the moment but that also means there's a chance of losing a chance of a longer series like you can't take anything in the finals for granted i think if they blow them out you got to appreciate that for what it is too i would just say not that you're not but you know that's just my only counter argument like like no one doesn't fondly remember you know that lakers three-peat team because they had like a couple blowout series mm -hmm. no i agree I, I agree with that point and also on the blowout thing my, my, my little brother is a big miami fan so 
the big brother in me would love nothing more than to beat Miami by 30 in every single game. Yeah, you could just like sit there and like very time. transparently like file your nails and not really watch and you know do whatever. It'd be like, oh, like sorry, are you still watching this? It seems like it's over. Can <laughs> for, we change for, the channel? For, it seems like it's done. I don't know that we really need to watch this anymore. For context, he he went to sleep at halftime, so we won there. Cannot blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison, this was a huge amount of fun. Um, hopefully, once the playoffs end and we get good news from the Lakers um, that, that we've won a title, um, I'll, 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 I'll love to have you on to dissect the season a bit f further, you know, to go back from the start, which has been a really long point because by the time the season ends, it will basically have been a year of Lakers basketball. No, it literally <laughs> yeah. has been now. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's, it's already day, been a right. year since media day, you know, like they, they've been together and for for a year longer, honestly, if you count the mini camp that LeBron did in Vegas, like um, oh, yeah. they, they've yeah, been together right. a long yeah. time. So it's been a lot of fun. Where can the people find your work? As always, uh, a huge thanks once again for coming on. Yeah, so just silverscreenandroll.com. We're really trying. I've been really proud of the week of finals coverage we've been able to put together so far. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, we got some excerpts from Je Jeff Perlman's book. We got, uh, you know, returners, uh, Lakers Twitter legends, Daniel Berge and Drew Garrison came back and wrote for us to start the finals. I am fingers crossed hoping for a couple more alums to come back over the course of either this series or the aftermath. Um, just because like it's been so long since the Lakers were good, but yeah, just silverscreenroll.com, silverscreenandroll for uh, you know is where you know you can find me on the podcast, and then at hmfaigen on Twitter. Uh, like I said, I don't need to big up your your website more than you know, just go on it, read read their articles, listen to their podcast. That that's that's enough. I don't need to say anything more than that. You guys are probably. Alongside Lakers Outsiders, the guys Gary, Honey, people like that are also phenomenal. You guys are probably my my favorite Lakers outlets. Uh, look, I founded that site too, so uh, you know, like it's all you. Yeah, it's no, all you. I'm just saying, like I, I'm just saying, I might be the LeBron of Lakers blogging. You know, I just like I just go from team to team, just like upping the like getting them to finals. I don't get credit, you know. Listen, you, you get enough credit, in my opinion. Whenever you come on this podcast, I appreciate you know it, man. I, I always appreciate the invite, and it's always fun. Uh, definitely. P please be sure to leave this podcast a five star review. Be sure to leave Silver Screen and Roll a five star review if you're listening. Be sure to watch there and follow all their finals content. It's been a really, really great read and a great listen so far. Thank you for listening. Again, please, everyone, stay safe during this crazy time that we're in in 2020. Take care.